In the lanes that cats cradled the Cotswold Hills, the air was so thick with thistle blossom that it looked as though it was snowing in midsummer. The thick lion's manes of blonde grasses along the verges barely stirred in the still heat haze, and the drooping jeweled wild flowers weaving necklaces amongst them had no scent powerful enough to battle with the reek of melting tarmac. In a record-breaking summer, this was the hottest day to date. A squinting, sunburned August day, one week before the bank holiday. The ridge around the Lodes Valley was a sun-starched pelmet, its tree-lined, stiff, dusty-net curtains compared to the usual furled, pom-pommed drapes. The checked fields on its flanks made up a true summer patchwork, some yellow and polka-dotted with huge black plastic bales, or green embroidered with white sheep. Some were striped with copper-corn furrows, others the faded lovage velvet of set-aside, and yet more the verdigris-shot silk of well-munched pasture. Several combine harvesters were out, great mechanical locusts sending up clouds of dust as they worked through the hottest hours on a shift that would take them through the balm of evening and into the black cool of night. For once, it was too hot for all but the most foolhardy of tourists to pedal or yomp or caravan between the little clustered villages that drew thousands to admire them year after year. Village stores had sold out of ice creams, and their chilled drink fridges were almost empty. The small accident department in Market Addington Cottage Hospital was doing a roaring trade in burns and heatstroke. Idcot over Foxrush Garden Centre had finally managed to shift the last of the bulk order of bad-taste flowery sun hats ordered seven years ago. It was that hot. In one parish in the Lodes Valley, three houses awaited new occupants empty spectators to summer pastimes. Beside the lush emerald pile of Odlode Village Green, saved from drought-ridden dust by its shading chestnut trees, a group of young children was playing cricket, overseen by one of the small honey-coloured cottages whose deep-set peephole windows had kept a knowing eye on many generations. A mile away, alongside the hot solder of the railway line, another honeystone house blinked its freshly cleaned upper windows out onto the odd-load amenity ground, where local handyman Reg Wick was mowing the parched grass and swearing at a pair of teenagers from the nearby estate who were sunbathing their soft, reddened bodies on the football pitch penalty spot. High on the ridge above odd-load, the third empty house watched through cataracts of thick dust as a group of horses from one of the many local yards hacked by, their riders carefully keeping to the dappled shade of the bridleway that led into the gunning woods. One brushed a shoulder against the rampant buddlier overhanging the track from the cottage's garden and sent out a cloud of red admiral butterflies, spooking the horses into snorting dances. The butterflies soared over the wild, untamed garden and settled on the sills of the cottage's blind, smeary eyes. Unexpected mascara anointing an elderly gaze as it waited for a new guardian angel. It wasn't a day to move house. It wasn't a day to move far from a deck chair. At number four horseshoe cottages in Odlod, Gladys Gates had been at work since dawn. She had already sifted every surface and wrapped every one of her dear friend Rose's 328 ornaments, 
in anticipation of its new tenants, the unmarried Irish couple, as she thought of them. The fact that the couple were not Irish and were, in fact, moving from East Anglia was immaterial to her. Number four, like the other three horseshoe cottages beside the village green in Odlode, belonged to an era when few adults grew beyond five feet five. Its ceilings were absurdly low, weighed down by vast beams dripping with horse brasses that had crowned many an unsuspecting guest, supposing the squat doorways hadn't already called seconds out upon them. So named because the first cottage in the terraced row was attached to the old forge, each horseshoe cottage boasted its own iron crescent over the door. Number four's horseshoe was the rustiest and, according to local legend, had belonged to one of the best hunters in the country, a celebrated gunning horse called Flint.